Devora Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. You can really jump into this topic at any time. As Yehuda said, we're talking about something in Hebrew that we call Hakpada, which is a internalized anger and resentment. So it's not the kind of anger where we just let it all out and the other person knows exactly uh, that something is up and that uh, there needs to be some kind of uh, discussion or whatever that, you know, you're obviously upset. This is the kind of anger where, that we keep inside of us. It's internalized anger. It could be characterized by passive-aggressive uh, type of anger, which is that on the outside you may be smiling and behaving in a way that says everything's okay, everything's fine, but inside you are brewing with resentment and upset. And the Bali Musser, the rabbis who have written extensively on this subject, tell us that this is a character trait that has no place at all that should be gotten rid of the way we get rid of chametz before Pesach. Mm-hmm. And it is toxic to the body, to the soul, uh, to the emo- in every single way. There's nothing good about it. I can't remember, I think Rabbi Yisrael Salanter said he's looked at this mita from every side, and there's nothing good about this mita. And I did say in previous classes that women do tend to suffer from this more than men do, because we are givers. We are naturally givers. The role that we're thrust into is a role where we are nurturing other people, we are doing for other people, where we can't help ourselves, but to do and to give. And very often because of that, when we don't feel appreciated, when we feel that somebody's ignored our efforts, our heroic efforts, we can't help but very often to, you know, begin to hold that resentment inside, and it's it's not good for us. And another reason that we said that we are chayev to get rid of this is because if we hold on to this midah, we are potentially over on so many mitzvahs in the Torah. We have mitzvahs that tell us that you're not allowed to bear a grudge, you're not allowed to take revenge, you're not supposed to hate somebody in, in your in their heart, in your heart, and um, so many others, down the chafschus, judging others favorably, but said, that you should judge another person with righteousness. And so, you know, we, how could it be that Hashem could give us these mitzvahs and expect us to be able to fulfill them if at the same time we're human beings and we're constantly being assault, insulted, offended, uh, wronged, uh, overlooked, whatever it might be that causes us to feel this internal resentment and anger. So obviously if the Torah tells us that uh, we can do this, it means that we can. And it's not something that can necessarily always be fixed in an instant, as we spoke about. We talk about, uh, when it comes to character development, we talk about uh, the primary response and the secondary response. So the primary response which it could be anger, which could be impatience, which could be um, stinginess, whatever it is that we are composed of in terms of our own particular meat-out, we're told, according to Rabulba and the people who are the Musser masters of today, that we're not responsible for our primary response because we're all wired 
a certain way. And we come into this world with something called Homer, which is the raw material of who we are. Those are our negative and our positive traits. And our job in this world is to try and make the positive more positive so that the negative are channeled in an appropriate way or begin to atrophy. But in terms of beating ourselves up over who we are and what our primary responses might be, right? Same thing happens to two people. One person's going ballistic and the other person it's not affecting at all. You know, people have different levels of sensitivity. They have different levels of, uh, it's not just our metode, it's also the way we were raised, right? Nature, nurture, environment, etc. Personality traits, all of these things go into our primary response. What we are responsible, we're told, is we are responsible for our secondary response. So once we've calmed down, once our mind begins to take over again, right, which again could happen the next day, could happen then and there if it wasn't something that was too alarming, or some of us have hakpadot that go on for many, many, many years. And once we've developed a kind of hakpada like that, you know, very intense one, uh, the advice is not to go back there and try to crumble something like that because sometimes we built a monument and it becomes very difficult to go back and try to resolve old issues. But what we're trying to do in this vad is say, you know, uh, we're in this life to, to work on ourselves, to change ourselves. As a matter of fact, in last week's Parsha, we, we had the end of uh, Bereshis where Yaakov gives blessings to his sons, but one of the questions that actually Revolva asks is a lot of these blessings don't look much like blessings, they look like major critiques. Mm -hmm. But the idea with Musser and in Torah in general is that giving a person proper constructive criticism, helping remove the stumbling block from the blind, which is ourselves, because as I've said in other classes, we don't tend to see ourselves, and other people are sometimes a mirror of some of the things that we need to work on, and that's why we don't often like them. But like Tavon HaMelech said, I can learn from my enemies, that even my enemies can teach me things, and or e even more so my enemies, because they are not afraid to point out my inconsistencies, my difficulties. And here in this last, last parsha, we have Yaakov Avinu, through telling each one of his sons, the future Shvatim, the future of Kal Yisrael, each one of them where they w went wrong, this, according to the Torah, is a gesture of love. Because if somebody can help you work on your character development, that's why we're in this world. You probably know the beautiful story of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, who was walking home late at night from the base medrash, and there was a light on in the, t in the shoemaker's home. And the shoemaker was working by the light of the candle, and Rabbi Sarl Salanter was intrigued, and he knocked on the door, and he said, Rabbi Yid, it's so late, why are you sitting here working? It's, and he said to, to Rabbi Salant, he said, you know, as long as the candle is burning, the shoemaker, the shoemaker can fix. Mm -hmm. So he said, he took that as a mashal, he said, as long as the neshama is burning, as long as we are alive, we're in this world to fix. And that's what we're meant to be doing. And I just want to quote my mother again. I don't think it's an original quote, but she used to say, who I am is God's gift to me, but what I become is my gift to God. 
So, yeah, so between the primary and the secondary response, again, could take a long road or it could be very short depending on how deep it is. But our secondary response is what counts. That's where we're taking our home air, our raw material of who we are, and we're creating atsura, right? Our job is to take that piece of clay, that lump of clay which we are, and form it into something beautiful. And that's our secondary response. So the secondary response, now we spoke about just a quick review, is what do you do when you're feeling this kind of incredible intensity of resentment and anger? What are some tools that the Torah gives us um, that can help relieve this? So the first one that we spoke about is something that we call vitur, nivater. It's internal resolution. It takes place in the courtrooms of the mind. Nobody knows that you're doing it, but it's one method of being able to let go. And it comes from the idea of the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah that says that anyone who looks over the deficiencies of another person, Hashem will do the same for you. And we said that to the extent that you give the other person the benefit of the doubt, you know, try to find an excuse for their behavior, whatever it might be, that actually Hashem, who is like our shadow, does exactly for us. So it's a very beneficial kind of a thing to get in the habit of doing. Because, of course, and it's not a coincidence that it's in the Gemara of Rosh Hashanah, as we're heading into to the Yemim Tovim, that this is a very wonderful thing to know when you are trying to um, forgive and forget uh, during this time of year and, of course, all through the year. So we said that some people, the word midotav that's in that pasuk, can also be read as measuring, that if you will stop measuring. And uh, Rashi, Rashi uh, puts that little spin on that pasuk, that it refers to measuring. And... And the drush on that is that there are people who spend their whole day, their lives, with a measuring stick, right? (laughs) And they're going through their life, their day, day by day, measuring. I did this for you. You didn't do that for me. I drove carpool for your kids. I call you once to drive carpool, and you're never available, right? Doesn't matter if I'm sick in bed. Doesn't matter if I'm in the hospital. You can't drive carpool. I, you know, like uh, she gives the example, when you had a baby, I brought you a 10-course meal. I got a little carrot salad from you when I had a baby, right? So, you know, so the tit for tat, the measuring. So the more a person does that, what? The more disappointed, the more disgruntled, the more bitter, the more upset a person is going to be. And as as I pointed out, Dina Schoonmaker brought a study of marital satisfaction, which the, the thesis was that in homes where there's more of an equal division of tasks, there's going to be a greater uh, amount of happiness. But what she discovered instead was that's not true at all, because what happens is in a home where they're trying to make equal divisions of tasks, there's always a scorekeeper, right? (laughs) And she said that anybody who's the scorekeeper, the one who's the scorekeeper always comes out lacking. It's always, oh. 3129, you know, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get up there, right? And so the nature of scorekeeping in general is always that you're going to feel that the other person is not doing enough. So what is the solution? 
She says you have to drop the measuring stick and walk away. And again, that's something that we do in our We say, what is it worth it? You know what? The other person doesn't even know. They're not thinking about it. They don't even, you know, etc. And here I am walking around. I can't even open my eyes in the morning and say modani before that person is in my mind's eye and I'm furious. So, and then we talked about different ways that we can be done, done as kol ha'adam l'chavzchus, how we could judge the other person favorably, and we gave a little list from the Chafetz Chaim about, you know, ways of judging people favorably. You know, they didn't, they, I don't know the whole picture. You know, I must be missing something. This is like the iceberg where I see the top, but I don't realize there's a whole story underneath this, right? <coughs> you know, even the fact that maybe they, they did do it on purpose, but they didn't realize how bad the consequences would be. Otherwise, they never would have done such a thing. It's trying to zoom out Instead of zooming in, we said that when you go to an art gallery, if you want to get a proper picture, if you want to appreciate that piece of art, you're not going to stand up close like in Norman Rockwell's painting, the art critic with his magnifying glass. You're going to stand back and you're going to get the whole picture. So again, when it says done as kol ha'adam l'chavzchus, the reading of it is not only to judge every person favorably, but to judge all of the person, meaning that one of the tools and the tricks is to, yeah, he forgot your birthday. Yeah, she didn't call you back when you really needed a call. But to go back and say, wait a second, there's so much good in this relationship. There's so many reasons for staying in this relationship that, you know, let me focus in on the roses and not the thorns. Now, just for those new people, just a working uh guide in front of you, we said that there are three concentric circles of relationships in our lives. So we have circle one, circle two, and circle three. And circle one are the people in our lives that we don't choose. Now, who are those people? Family. family. Right. Family, relatives, <laughs> right. People who are there to stay. And, um, you know, like I joke, I say, okay, and I know you thought you chose your husband, but guess what? If you have a husband, right? We, we say anyway in Judaism that Hashem chooses your zivug 40 days before conception or 40 days after conception, I don't know. But the idea is that, you know, uh, that uh, you think you chose him, but Hashem basically put him there in your circle one because circle one people tend to be the most difficult to deal with. Right, they're the ones where the intensity and frequency of being able to have these inner feelings of resentment and anger are most likely. Then we said there's circle two, and circle two are the people who you don't choose. I mean, sorry, who you do choose. Those are the people who you have a choice. Right, they're people you like. They're people you want in your life. They're people who the relationship is easy, and you know they bring out the best in you. But again, with circle two, if things are going awry or you have some kind of run-in, mm -hmm. you can decide, you know, am I going to fix this? Is this relationship important enough to me? I'm certainly not allowed to walk away and hate the person. And we said, what's the definition of hatred according to uh, the halacha? Everybody's a bucky here. Come on. You, tell avoid, me what you avoid the person for three three times. Right. You avoid the person three times. That's what the halacha mm -hmm. says. Who is a sona? 
So, you know, the person tries to reconciliate with you or the person doesn't even know they did anything. And every time you see them at a kiddish here, there, in the store, you'd rather jump into the local, you know, into the closest garbage can than have to have any kind of interaction with them. That's how upset you are still and you keep walking around with that, right? And the other person's clueless, basically. And even if they are completely clueless or innocent, it's not bothering them. So again, we can't hate somebody in our heart. So with circle two, though, of course, you know, life is only so long. We want to have quality relationships. And so if it's a relationship that just you don't feel that you're getting as much out of it as you put in and there are other people to befriend, you can let that go. And then we said circle three are people who come in and out of your life every day that are just there. They could be strangers, right, that cut you off in traffic. The stranger who's in line in front of you at a grocery store and taking too long, you know, getting themselves together and you're, you've got an appointment and, you, you know, you're fuming. But again, these come and go and these are also an indicator to you because people, again, are just mirrors of ourselves and where we are in our character development in this Mida and all Midot, just like, you know, the body I went for a test on my foot yesterday and the doctor made me go like this and I had to do something else and I said, this is connected to this, you know? Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, right? To, to check something, I had to do something completely, you know? Anyway, but that is the truth in terms of character development too, that, you know, anything that you work on, it has an effect on all of the out because they're all very much connected. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the second one, so that was just a little taste of the first one. The second one we said is probably the, 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 the best one, but the one that people use most infrequently, and that is a direct conversation. Hi, I don't think you realized, but I didn't get an invitation to your daughter's wedding, and I, you know, you've come to all of our, I mean, we're friends, aren't we? I mean, you, you're my circle too, aren't you? I mean, what, you know? And maybe it was just a Kamsa Bar Kamsa event where they got the wrong address, they, whatever, it was an oversight. Maybe in extreme circumstances, money's tight and they're trying to, right? We can come up with all kinds of excuses, but it still hurts. And sometimes we said when we have that conversation, it's such a relief because we find out, wow, it wasn't as big as I thought it was. Or recommend it. Do you recommend it? Do I recommend it? No. So again, so we said, and this is always the caveat, right? That the great rabbis, the Chazonish, and I I even quoted a source going all the way back to Rabbi Akiva, who said, I don't think there's anybody in this generation who can give tochacha the way, I guess, Yaakov Avinu could, okay? In other words, I actually tried the other day, and I, you know, because we said, Try to, try to do this. Dina, whose work this is based on this woman in Israel, said, you know, when you're in situations where you're not all heated up and you feel very in control, try some of the tools that we've learned to see if you could get better at it and less afraid of it. Because another thing we said is the reason people are afraid to give tochacha is they might find out that they were the one that did something wrong or you know, we had experiences in our lives, especially maybe when we were children and powerless, where we were uh, accused of things and couldn't 
you know, couldn't, didn't have the power to say, well, no, I didn't do that. We just end up in the principal's office. So we have all kinds of bad uh, feelings about direct communication, and that's why we don't do it. I didn't know whether to share this with you or not, but I had an experience actually this past week where I tried to do it. And I wanted to ask you guys, like, you know, what, where did I go wrong? Or was it really, did I really need the third to, to, uh, tool? The third tool we talked about last week is humor. Okay, that there are some people who just are never going to get it. Okay? They're just wired that way, and they are never going to get it. Okay, so you can get intense about it. You can stamp your feet. You can get angry and smoke can come out of your ears. Or you can use humor. What is humor Humor in the Jewish sense? It's not the kind of humor that cuts down the person and devalues the person and says what a, what a clueless golem this person is. It's humor that we defined as saying a sharp eye for the other person's weakness but without devaluing them. So you recognize, you know what, this person, like all of us, I said, we're all special needs, okay? We all have some area in our lives where it's dark. There's no light bulb on over there, right? And, you know, whatever, you know, whatever situation it is that we're, we're supposed to turn the light bulb on, we just don't seem to be able to do it. So it's a sharp eye, meaning somebody who ha- who really can understand other people and, and you know, has that psych- psychology type of mind, instead of saying, oh, I know what your problem is, I know what I can label you as, and devaluing the person, it's a very difficult thing to see the person's failing, but not devalue them. And that's what we mean by humor, okay? We mean to lighten up. Don't get so intense about this other person's behavior or their tactlessness, or the fact that they just put their foot in their mouth again, right? Because this is the way they are. And you're not going to change them. And they're in your circle one. You and take it from, from who it comes. So right. Like, oh, and you just, like, right, exactly. And you just say, you know what? I also have, another way to say, I also have things. Who knows? I don't see them. It's easy to point a finger at another person when three are pointing back at you, etc. So just try to use this humor. Okay, so now we're moving on to our, really, the two are together. It's the last tool, but we'll say we have five tools, and that is emuna. Okay, because what happens is when we are all embroiled with another person, anger in general, it says that somebody who is in an angry state is worshipping idols. Right, that the person is is worshipping a vodazora. Because what are we doing? Instead of worshiping God, the angry person basically is so me-focused. So how could they do that to me? How could she say that to me? Right? That basically we have replaced God and made ourselves into God, so to speak. Because when a person's angry, they can't see anything else but themselves. Okay, so that's one explanation of why anger is compared to a Vodazara. Okay? So one of the ways that we can relieve these kind of feelings and bring more spirituality into our world, right? Because everything and the people in it and the situations that we find ourselves in, oh, I forgot to give you the example of Tohaha. I'll ask you after, okay. Is because Hashem is sending it to us. 
Hashem has chosen these people in our lives. Hashem is sending different situations. I, I went to hear Lori Polatnik last night, yeah. you know, how to pass tests with flying colors. She talked about five, diff four different ways that you know you're in a test. And all of life is a test. And we're always being, uh, you know, and when we, when we're engaged in some kind of conflict, some kind of point of Bechira where we have a free will choice, the way that we grow and the way that we develop ourselves is by flexing a spiritual muscle, making a right choice, and that connects us to Hashem. So it's the same thing, of course, with all through, with every situation that we're in. And particularly when we're hurt and offended and insulted, what are we going to do with it? So often what do we say? We say, why is she doing this to me? Why is he doing that to me? So the recommendation is to take that pronoun, she and he, make it large, make it capital, look up to heaven and say, why is he doing this to me? Right? Why? Why do I need this person? What is this all about? What am I supposed to be learning from this? What's my test? What's my challenge? And once we bring it up there, we, we, we distract ourselves from the very human getting totally pulled into our lives and forgetting the bigger picture, which is it's all, we're just actors on a stage with, with certain, uh, plot lines and difficult characters and good guys and bad guys. And we're the, you know, we're the main actor. And it's all about the choices that we make. Very quickly, Laurie said, your choices very often are be between, am I going to be a giver or am I going to be a taker, right? The choice can be between, and we talked about this in my class, am I going to choose connection or am I going to choose estrangement? The third one she said was, am I going to choose acceptance? You know, you get, God forbid, a diagnosis or something that's happening beyond your control, or am I going to choose rejection? Sorry, God, I'm not going to handle this. I don't like what's going on. This is not, right? And the last one she said was, it's always a test is always my will or God's will. In other words, you know, I want this. I want this. I want this. And sometimes in life, the test is you have to bow your head and say, or, or it's not even about bowing your head. It's about I want this, but really I should be doing something else, right? You know, I want uh, to go on this vacation. She was talking. She was talking about a secular audience. You know, but it, it, the flight leaves on Friday night at eight o'clock. You know, I want this, but wait, what a, wait a second. You know, what does Hashem want? So obviously, that example for some people could be a real free will battle. For other people, it's you know, do I go to that gym class in the morning, or do what I said I was going to do last Rosh Hashanah and stay with my commitment to, to daven for my sitter every morning at this time, even though that class is free or somebody's inviting me to use their personal trainer. Um, so that's, you know, that's what we mean by, by these free will choices. So, but in general, just understanding that Hashem is always in the picture, that helps us to say, you know, not why is he doing this to me, but why is she doing this to me? Now, it's interesting. She says, when we experience disappointment or suffering from natural causes, we don't feel resentful. We might be upset that the hurricane damaged the house or that the stock market crashed, but we're not angry at the hurricane. 
or at the Dow Jones. But when it's another person that appears to be the cause of our pain, we direct the emotional upset at them. But in truth, all suffering, even at the hands of another human being, is part of the divine plan. Surely individuals have free choice, but still nothing can happen, and this is a axiomatic klal when it comes to bitachon, trusting in Hashem, you know, the foundational stone of this idea of bitachon is that nothing can happen without Hashem willing it to happen. Okay? So even if we messed up, even if we took the wrong road, even if we spend the rest of our lives mired in guilt because should have, would have, could have, person with bitachon says no. I did what I did. I maybe didn't have all the tools. I didn't see the future. I didn't, you know... If it's, if it's happening and that's the way it is, that's the way it was meant to be. Okay, so get rid of the guilt. Can you learn from the things that you don't like in your life? Can you change? Can you make new decisions? Yes. Um, they say that whenever a Talmud would come to Rav Wachtvogel and begin the sentence with, if only I had done so this, he would stop them right away and he'd say, in Ashray every day we say, uh, ad olam, hallelujah. Right? Meaning from this time forth, hallelujah, praise God. I don't want to hear about what was, what happened, what did, what this and that. Let's go forward because guilt doesn't have a place. It could be a primary response. Oy. Oh, I messed up. Oh, I'm terrible. Oh, I can't believe it. And women beat themselves up, right? But you're not allowed to sit with that. You have to move to your secondary response. Okay, I made a mistake. What should I do differently this time? But if whatever is, that is exactly the way it's supposed to be. Okay, so that's the foundation of bitachon. Okay, nothing can happen without Hashem willing it to happen. So there's a Gemara in Tainus 18b that records a story of Lulianus and Papas just before their execution at the hands of a Roman officer. They explain to their executioner that the only reason that they could die is if Hashem decreed it. If not... Um, and that the executioner has nothing to do with with their death. In other words, he's just a puppet in Hashem's hand. And, you know, if Hashem has many messengers, and he could have bears or lions carry out the decree if the decree is that we're supposed to die. And why were they telling this executioner all of this? Because what they were trying to do... He, um, was to demystify the power of the executioner. You know, you think you're powerful, and in our mind, we could think you're very powerful, but you know what? You're just a puppet. Hashem is the only one who's going to decide what happens. If he allows you to execute us, then it will happen. But if Hashem in a second, in a moment, right, don't give up hope, even when the sword is at your throat, the Talmud teaches us, even when the sword is poised at your neck. So you know what? Hashem has many messengers. If we are not supposed to die, then you won't be able to do it. Okay? So another person, no matter how he's acting, whether selfishly, wantonly, or deceitfully, cannot impact our life unless Hashem has made a shidduch between that person's bad actions and the other person's misfortune. 
simple example that we hear about all the time in Israel, right? Hamas sends a whole bunch of missiles. Now, sometimes that missile has an address, and it lands where that person is. But very often, and we tell these stories because we're always amazed by them, they'll send missile after missile after missile, and it'll land in an open field. So they can do whatever they want, but Hashem's address was the open field. There was no shidduch between this person's or this this bad action, this intent to harm. And so there has to be a match between the intention, between, sorry, the intention and the suffering of the victim. If there's no shidduch, if there's no match, then the missile falls in an empty field. So the, the nimshal of this is as recipient, recipients of human hurt, we have to remind ourselves that it's all part of the divine plan. Through emuna, we dissipate some of the anger directed at the actor. We demystify his power. The question, what is he doing to me, evokes anger and other destructive emotions. The question, what is he doing to me, is a more curious, introspective question that doesn't usually lead to the same resentment and frustration, but rather it encourages us to question what we are meant to do with or learn from this experience. Any comments? Is this easy? It's, it's also Hashkacha process that it went into the field instead of there. If right, but, but that is Hashkacha yeah. Pratis, that Hashem is in charge. Take it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's harder for us to believe it's Hashkacha Pratis when somebody made some stinging oh, comment, yes. or when you didn't get the invitation yeah. you were expecting, or you weren't invited to Sheva Brachas, even though you did Sheva Brachas for that person, for almost every one of their kids. Okay? So it's easy, like she's saying, when it's some kind of natural disaster, or something way beyond... Nature. Yeah. Our control, then we can say, you know, it was an act of God when the fence blows down from thunder and lightning, you know, that's what they call it in the insurance, right? Even today they call it an act of God when it was, right? But when it comes to our interpersonal relationships, we have a much harder time. Why? Because of our egos, right? Because my, it's my, my ego, my kavod. My sense of justice, what I think is the right standards of behavior, right? Which is the word hakpada. The word hakpada, right? We can use it in a positive way when you're makpid about something, right? Like we said, when you're meticulous, but makpid about paying the cleaning lady on time, that's a good kind of makpid. But when you're makpid, that people should treat me the way I expect, because after all, that's the proper way to behave. You know, was she born in a barn? Right? (laughs) So that's when it becomes difficult, when we're dealing with other people and, yeah, we know all the the philosophy. We know about Hashkacha Pratis. We know that Hashem is the one running the world and that He's involved in my life, but not when it comes to that, (laughs) that incident. Not when it comes to that idiot cutting me off in traffic or taking my parking spot. And I think one of the antidotes is, again, I mean, this is off the page, but the more we notice Hashem 
making good things happen, especially with other people and things going well in our life, the more we take account of that, maybe the more we'll be able to draw upon that when things aren't going so well. Because we'll know it's the same God that just, you know, got me that parking spot in front of the bay and I had only, you know, 10 minutes to run in and get to my next appointment. And when we take notice of those things, as the God that, you know, just uh, lost me the parking spot because some idiot who was here after me pulled into it, right? Mm -hmm. So the more we focus on the good and the blessing and the gratitude and the gratefulness, the more we're able to take it back up also when it comes to the difficult things. Any, any, any comments? Okay. I was going to yeah. say also with gratitude, I think... Um, it's also good in terms of expressing gratitude to people, like, because so often, especially there's a few of us who are teachers here, you know, when you're a teacher, you always hear, you know, if there's a complaint or what's wrong, but when, you know, a parent gives you a compliment, it's like, oh, that's great, you know, or yeah. if they tell your supervisor, but even people in our lives, sometimes people will do something nice for us, and to them it was like no big deal, they don't even remember the impact, or they might forget. Yeah, it's true. And then... Even if you thank them later, like, they're amazed. They, they're like, wow, I had no idea, you know? It's so true. And yeah. it lifts them also because sometimes maybe that's what they need to, mm -hmm. you know? Very nice. So another, um, I mean, a, a, an important thing to understand when we're talking about this idea of why is he doing this to me is to realize that, you know, we may never know the answer. And it's, you know, you know we're not uh, navvies and we don't always know why. But we could still learn from things, okay? And the exercise of considering different possibilities can help us reframe the situation. So some of these possibilities include, sometimes hurt can facilitate self-awareness. So again, this idea, David HaMelech writes in Tehillim that he was able to listen closely when his enemies attacked. Becoming a Mareim, even when my enemies rise up against me, my ears will listen. Even if the encounter was painful, sometimes we can identify some kernel of truth, some aspect of our character that needs improvement. And Ravolda says that someone who has this kind of self-awareness who's not put off by an interaction that, you know, might have been uncomfortable or painful, but rather is able to look inward and deflect the, the situation by saying, wait a second, what can I learn from this? And we talked about this in our section on Tohacha, that one of, even if we can't give Tohacha, we can be a model of how to receive tochacha for those around us. In other words, when somebody wants to tell us where we're out of line, we can show that, you know what, I'm devoted to character development. I'm not afraid that you're going to shine a light on one of my deficiencies because I know I have deficiencies. I didn't choose them. God gave them to me. The same way he gave me my strengths and my talents and everything that's good about me and all the things that I'm very proud of, my beautiful voice, right? He also gave me the negative. So, you know, why should I be dejected and upset about those any more than I'm walking around like a peacock about the other things? 
because I had no hand in either of them. So when a person goes through life with that kind of a understanding that other people, even our enemies, could shine a light and I could learn something that I, I wouldn't be able to see because I said we're all in our own box. We pop in and out of this box, but we can't see ourselves from there or from here or from here or from behind. So other people are there to tell us. So I will tell you my, my situation that happened this week, okay? So I was at a, I was at a Shetomachers. That's a perfect place for it to be, right? And, and you know the Shetomachers in the Hamish world, right? I always joke, I joked with one of them recently. I said, you know, if a beauty parlor ran like this, I'm sorry, they would be out of business. You know, it doesn't matter if you're sitting in the chair and it's your appointment, right? right? Everybody's around you. Everybody's talking about, you know, whatever and interrupting the, the, the you know, and you don't get your, like, t you feel sometimes like you just don't get your time because everybody's coming in and out and, you know. Anyway, I had a situation where I was running in to just, you know, have a quick appointment and, you know, in that tiny little area where I, first of all, somebody was sitting in my seat, just, just sitting there like, like she wasn't having an appointment and she didn't show any signs of getting up until the woman who worked there said, uh, she said, oh, do you want the seat? And the woman who worked there said, yeah, she needs to, you know, she needs to sit down. She has an appointment. So, you know, I sit down. So this woman and I think a few other girls that were with her, they don't move out of the room or into the waiting room or sit on a chair. They're right behind the two of us, and she's talking at the top of her lungs on her phone. And then when she's off the phone, she's talking at the top of her lungs to the girls there about who knows what and who cares what, you know. And anyway, and while this woman who wasn't Jewish was doing my shaitel, she sort of, under her breath, says something. First of all, I could see she was aggravated to begin with because she had a lot of, you know, customers in a short day. But she also said something under her breath about, like, you know, like, it's talking and this, right? And I just smiling and this and that. Anyway, at some point, this non-Jewish uh, hairdresser, she leaves. And these people are still there talking right behind my head, you know, so I said, you know, I'm, now I probably did this wrong, but I said, excuse me, girls, um, but I think that so-and-so is getting quite irritated by all the noise. Um, would you mind moving away? And so th the mother of the girls says, I'm not a girl. I am 40 years old. Wow. Okay, that was first thing. <laughs> then she goes, and I have an appointment. And I said, oh, I said, okay, so like they have a waiting room right there and there's some chairs you could sit on. So why don't you do that? Anyway, <laughs> two seconds later, she comes back in, this hairdresser, and you wouldn't believe this was the real shocker, okay? And I've said my piece. I'm leaving. I had to like get through them to go and pay the person. Like, excuse me, could I, you know, in this tiny little space... And and before I leave, she says to the, the Goya in front of me, she goes, you know, Tammy, were we annoying you? Are we annoying you by being here? And Tammy's totally in shock. And she's like, 
no, of course. What's she going to say, right? Yeah. She's like, yeah. 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 She goes, no, of course not. No, no. Why? Why would you say, you know, why? Oh, and yeah. she goes, oh, well, somebody said that we're annoying you and we're in your way and blah, 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 blah. Oh. Okay. So I'm le I just leave, right? And, and I thought, oh my goodness. Like here I tried. Right? I, I don't know. Maybe I needed to do the sandwich method. Like, oh, you look so nice today. Could you get the heck out of that? No. You know, like we, we talked about all these different methods, right? I was thinking, okay, what did I do wrong? And then I, you know, and then I had to vent on my way home to a few different people who yeah. called me. Like, I just want to know, am I crazy or what did I, am I, you know? And, and, and even the daughters were looking at me like, you're like, how dare you? Right? And anyway, so, and then I thought, well, you know what? I think this is a, a situation of humor. Like, I don't thank God she's not in my circle one, but this is the kind of person who obviously, like my daughter in law said to me, who obviously has no Kaylee to be able to accept any kind of responsibility, what she figures is criticism, accountability. And then I was thinking maybe it would have been better if I had just said, you know, I, instead yeah. of, yeah, yeah, I think I should have said, I would really appreciate it if you guys would move into the other room. I, you know, this is my moment alone. I'm paying mm. money for this. Yeah. I'd like to have. Yeah. I think I should have said I. She'd react the same way, though. So I. So what do you think, Shauna? Well, no, go ahead. <laughs> so, I think if you would have had the I message, you wouldn't have had that last piece of them like telling on you, so right, getting right. you in okay, trouble. Okay, that's true. Um, so it would have avoided that even if she couldn't receive it. It sounds like it was someone who just couldn't receive it or maybe like it was in front of her daughters or something like that. So maybe you say something like, you know what, I have a splitting headache. You know, this is my appointment, Tom. I'm so sorry. I have a migraine. I have a headache. And I just, every, every noise is just amplified for me. So you make it all about you. Yeah, I uh, think that would have been better. She might, maybe. Yeah. But sometimes some people just can't. But she could receive. be insulted and say, are you implying I'm loud? Oh, are you, so that's and she what, may not even be aware right. that she's yeah, loud. Yeah, the so, same but if type you of say, personality. They yeah. might. Or if you say, like, any noise, any any talking whatsoever, yeah. even the quietest talking yeah. is really too Somehow much I felt this. like, you know, if we both were together as a team of, like, you know, we don't right. want this. Please wait in the waiting room. No, or, or we don't want this woman who's not, you know, yeah, to like feel like we're, you know, you know but this, I was the, trying the space to. space with cell phones, like this is constantly happening. Oh, like, people are talking loud all the time when and you're louder. trying to do something else and, you know, you're not interested in hearing your conversation happen. You know, yeah, but it was, it was more than just the cell phone. Your, it was like the space idea yeah, of like, I, I, why? It's not respectful it's, of your time and you're paying and place. for her time. Like yeah, yeah. Anyway, you know what? So I just said, you know, you got these are the kind of people that you just have to laugh and say, like, yeah. listen, they just. So what's going to happen not when with you see this person attitude. next time? <laughs> what? Now, when you see this person, I'm sure. Maybe no, I never have seen her, and I don't think oh, I will ever see oh, her. Okay. But you know, um, I think that taking saying I, I think I, I thought about it after I said I should have just said I, and then. If I had said I and she said, I don't care, you know, like I, I'm waiting for an appointment and I'm not going anywhere. These right? Are people with attitude. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Anyway. All right. But, but you know what? I thought it was interesting because, you know, Dina says you should try to do it when it's not, when you're not all heated up, which I wasn't. Yeah. And try to do it in a way and see what happens because if you have successes, mm -hmm. it helps you to get better at it. It emboldens yeah. you. 
And the more you're successful at doing it with people out there in your circle three, the more that maybe you'll be able to be able to do it or be it'll be more quicker to draw on in your circle two and in your circle one. You'll try again. You'll find the right time, the right tone. We talked about all kinds of things. The tone, the time, the make a meeting, let's have an appointment, do it, you know. Did you see how you got more upset I was just a week say that. later? Am I upset now? I think so. <laughs> yeah. But you were aggravated right after. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't at the time, but afterwards you were like, In the I have to tell these people, wherever you whereas were. maybe it's just, oh. Like no, I was trying. aggravated because I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I was shocked, but that's okay. Yeah. It's also a reaction. Of, it is, but it's a problem. Because you didn't expect that out of her. No, yeah. I didn't. And in front of her daughters, on top of it. Right. Of that. course, it's always about ego. Yeah. yeah. But but it was it, also it, it shock. It go past you. Yeah, no, I didn't because yeah. all. But also, I was trying to analyze it. So I was saying, why is this? Ha why like, is she why doing this to it me? Work because she's she's that type of a person. person. That's right. It. Yeah. Okay, or maybe it didn't work, and I asked myself this too because I didn't say it right. Maybe I there's a level of that I was missing in terms of a tohaha tool. Maybe if I had said, I have a splitting headache. No, she could have reacted the same show. way. Anyway. Yeah. She could have, but you know yeah. what? I could still say to myself, I think I really did it in the absolute best way, yes, and this right. has nothing to do with yeah. me now. Yeah, that's right. Because you didn't have a headache. Why should you lie? Yeah, I don't know if I would say I had a headache, but I could say, you know what? I um, do you, No, or do, do you guys mind just moving, like just very simply, do you guys mind just like sitting in the waiting room because... I want my privacy. Right, and oh. she might have said, I have an appointment. And say, yeah, then so you can you? say, well, I have an appointment, to, you know, I have an appointment. Right, I'm, okay, I'm whatever. The point is, is maybe it would have turned out differently, maybe not, depending know. on if I hadn't, you know, pulled in this other person well, and said it's all about her. What, so, what do you think? I'm just curious. Yeah, sorry, sorry, no, go ahead. You just going to say quickly, yeah. ask the, the worker to, like, to ask the worker. Oh, that's a possibility, too. Sometimes, yeah. But I was thinking that you sharing this with us is really instructive to me because it's we always want to do everything perfectly and what you've been talking about is just getting there. So you got there and I think because it impacted on the worker, which was completely not your intention, and you probably feel uncomfortable that she was in that place. Well, that I feel like it was a Hill Hashem too a little bit. like Right, and that would help you with your I statement next time because it was it went beyond you and beyond her rudeness to somebody else. And that woman, it sounds like she never would have heard anything you said, even if God said it, or anything the woman said, holding up the sign, wait in the waiting room, she would be blind at that moment, not know how to read. That's who she was. She uh -huh. And she was out of line. Yeah. And, um, and, and after something like that, I think we, it is shocking. We do need to sort of yeah. wind down a bit because it's like, what? That wasn't my That's intention. okay. That's because, yeah, and it's and also just... Yeah. Wow, that's trying to understand how so other people can be so but yeah, it shows different. It's helpful to hear that we have to just keep trying harder next time. That's yeah, and it. you know what? There's nothing wrong with yeah. your secondary response being venting. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. the whole point is you are working as, at a yeah. process so that you can get it out. If I would see this woman somewhere at a simcha or something, would I still feel a little pain? I probably would. Yeah. What I want to go over, but then I said to myself, you know, Dan Lakovskus. Okay, so you could just say she's a millennial. No, that's not Dan Lakovskus, right? <laughs> and her kids are millennials, or you know, you could just what? Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You could just say, listen, she obviously 
has not self-evolved enough to be able to recognize, like you said, accountability, responsibility. And, and again, I mean, I hate to sound so holy and righteous, but I was also thinking like, this is a bit of a Chil Hashem. Of course, it yeah, became a bigger Chil. Yeah. But you know what? It became a bigger Chil Hashem when she goes, have I, am I, excuse me, am I? Because now it showed two Jews, yes. right, at yeah. odds with each other. So I thought, oh my God, now this is a bigger Chil Hashem yeah. than, 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 the, than the Goya yeah. going, oh, I wish she'd get out of here. Like she's, you know, does she have any sense of anything, you know? Yeah, I think it also, there's a message here about capacity too. So it's like, I feel like the worker... You could feel empathy for her that she has to deal with difficult customers, but she can't lose them, so she has to hold back. And then with this other person, there's a lesson that, wow, this is someone who does not have the capacity to receive, or what she, what, there's a, that disconnect you had talked about on one of your shares about intent the intent impact, intent, intent impact, impact discrepancy. discrepancy, discrepancy. So what your intent was and how she took it like veered off. So right. here's someone who maybe she's someone who can't handle no, being told can't what to do or can't absorb mm-hmm. the message or, mm-hmm. or takes a request as an order and gets her back up. Like mm-hmm. you don't know, right? right. And if I was her and somebody said to me, could you please move into the waiting room? <coughs> you know, I can't handle you know, talking on the phone. I mean, I would be talking on my phone in any place that would disturb anybody, you know. But who knows? Maybe I do and maybe I have, right? And somebody's in their mind going, I wish she'd do this somewhere else, well, right? Happens time, it happens all the time. It happens all the time today. Mm-hmm. I mean, today it's just, you see people at the coattail. Hello? It's like, I'm dominating Shimona Esrei, you know? Like, what are you doing? Have you lost complete? They're calling God. They're calling God. But you don't know that the next time she goes, she may lead in the waiting room. I mean, we, we're looking right. at this from how it impacted us. Yeah. Uh, and obviously she doesn't like to be told things or suggested yeah. things. Yeah. But she may, may next time. Think about it. You don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. She may. She may. We have to Just check yeah. your appointment to make sure it's not <laughs> saying maybe. She seems so thick that I don't even know. Yeah. But yes, it's well, possible. With, well, it's possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. we rethink. You and say, you oh, remember that her. woman who said that? You, you know? said you never saw her before. No, she I could never be saw her before. But you'll yeah, probably see her so. again. I think her kids are in dark. <laughs> but that's what you were, conversations. when you were talking before about when we have hatred, like I know with people I have big grudges about. Yeah. I don't allow myself, uh, that's what I got out of this. I don't allow myself to open no. the door. And so by closing the door to that person, like I can feel myself closing up. Yeah. So with someone like that, it's so easy to write them off, right? And that's why like, I think, not just that, that's why I feel like the only tool with this person is humor. Humor, that's the one. And, and they said? said about humor that it's not something you can use. Some people can use it and some people just will never use it because they don't have that capacity. It, it's a sharp eye for seeing that this person is just like yeah. not very self-evolved. Mm-hmm. And, and either I can say, you're an idiot, right? And, and that'll be how I end it. Or I can work with the humor and say, Poor her, yeah, Yeah. right? Or I could say, don't get so intense about it. Like, if she was in my circle one, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I could say, thank you that she's my circle three, and I'm walking away, and I never have to deal with this person again. But if she was in my circle one, I'd have to say over and over and over again to myself, don't get so intense. It's funny. 
Laugh about it because what do we say humor is? Humor is when you're in the situation, you're going to cry and scream at what's going on. But where you're in the audience and the comedian is doing a whole shtick on when you were in Misradha Panim and you were there for three days until they gave you the stamp on whatever or whatever frustrating situation, right? You're in the audience splitting a gut. You're laughing your head off. Why are comedians successful? Because they are making you laugh at what, when it happens, you're crying. Right? When the kid's tantruming in the grocery store, you're going crazy. But somebody else tells you the story on the stage Mm -hmm. of how ludicrous and hilarious it is. All of a sudden, it's really funny. So if you're able to find the humor and lighten up, we said in last week's class, that's a good way to deal with it, to find the humor, right? So with this person was in my circle one, I'd go, <laughs> yeah, she's doing it again, right? She's doing it again. Okay, I love you anyway. I'm going to choose connection. I'm not going to choose estrangement. It's not going to do me any good. She doesn't even know. She's clueless. She's going to do the same thing next time. She's not going to have gotten that little hint. Maybe I should wait in the waiting room next time because she can't. She doesn't have the kaling. Okay? Is it easy? No. Does Might it take me a couple weeks of venting until I say, this is funny, or I see some comedian? And the really funny thing was... <laughs> From there, I went to the hospital because I had a I had a test, and I get a call while I'm waiting at the hospital from a friend of mine. And the first thing she says to me is, "Devora, I could learn so much muster from you." And I'm like, "No, you got to be kidding! What do you mean you could learn muster from me? I tried to get muster too. It's like five minutes ago at my last place. You know, this person did not want to learn anything from you." She's going, "I am such a control freak, and I can learn from you not to be a control freak. I was a control freak. Get out of my ears, you know." Whatever. She's going, "Devor," I said, "Okay, right, okay." But I just thought it was so funny how Hashem put right the two after. things yeah. back to back. Yeah. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah. Completely. And that will often So that happen. was a sham kind of giving me a hug, right? Yeah, saying, and saying, you know what? No, don't take it. It wasn't you. You, you. you tried. It was fine. Maybe you didn't say it exactly the way, but you were in control. Yeah. You tried. You're, it's okay. You're allowed. And besides, you shouldn't have been insulted that you called her a girl if she's 40 years old. Right, 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 right. No, but she was indignant, you know. How dare you talk to me like that? I am a mature woman. Okay. But I like yeah. that. Like when those things happen, there's like, I, I feel like they're little messages from Hashem, like the fact that you got that phone call. Yeah. I think Hashem is like shifting your gaze. Like here this incident was really big and right. this negativity of this person, like we are trying to get to Haha. And here, like this is God reminding you, like, you know what? You're holding this in one hand. Hold this too. Like, look, you you're having an both. impact. You hold both. Yeah. And and you'll have. We all have these times or days or people we encounter, and and you could just feel like like everything like goes 
dark or horrible or awful day or awful this, awful that. Right. Or I'm such a bad person. I just can't get this right. I do this over and over again. Why doesn't it work? But then you get this message that says, it's like a, like you said, like a, like this reassurance, like you are having a positive impact. Like this is there too, because sometimes we tend to take, you have to hold both. Yeah. This broad brushstroke, like this is not working. Well, and that, and that's again, the same idea of we have deficiencies, we have strengths, we have to hold them both. You know, we have to hold them both and love them both and take and, and recognize that this is who I am. This is my complete and individual and unique. Nobody on this planet from the beginning of creation has my components, uh, constellations mm-hmm. of weaknesses and strengths that are uniquely mine and that come with uh, instructions. I mean, some instruction and with <laughs> the exact details of my life and the people in it. That are going to help me recognize and 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 actualize my potential, right? Because all of these tests, as Lori was saying last night, are all about us actualizing our potential. You know, we you know she gave the example of why do teachers give tests, right? Because they want the, to see what the students know, and they want the students to see what they know. And she said that her daughter once came home and, and she had a professor, uh, a teacher of history, who announced to the class there won't be any tests this this year. And she was, you know, saying, Oh, I love this teacher. I'm so happy. I've had this teacher. She said, Lori said, I wanted to call the principal. What do you, he said, you know, I'm a professor at somewhere else. I have no time to give tests this year. We won't be having any tests. But she was saying that tests are a form of love and care and concern because we want you to reach your potential. And somebody who's not giving tests doesn't really care. So the point is, is to realize that Hashem brings us all these tests, these people in our lives, these situations, because he wants us to actualize our potential. He loves us and he cares enough to give us the tests because this is our way of growing, of flexing our spiritual muscles. How are we doing with time? 10.43. Oh, we're really late. Okay, so we're going to stop here and we'll continue, God willing, next week. Uh, not next week. Next week yeah. I won't be here. But the following week, God willing. 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 Following week, God willing.